Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. The Word of God is full of life-changing power. So our prayer is that this broadcast equips you to live a life so big that it impacts everyone and everything around you. Remember to hit the notification bell on YouTube to get this teaching and worship with us live each week. Let's join Bishop Greer. Father, we thank you for this time in your Word. Meet us here. And we'll give you all the honor for what you accomplished. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, and you're going to see things a little bit differently today and get some insights that perhaps you hadn't had uh, before you came today. Verse 51, now it had come to pass. I told the first service that this is one of my favorite verses or, or, or sayings in the Bible. You're no longer fasting and praying. You're no more waiting and believing. This statement is only made because it's finally happening. Now it came to pass. Luke is indicating that we have hit a pivotal point in his narrative. The one who measured the oceans in his hand, the heavens between his pinky and thumb. He had humbled himself to become one of us, to remove all our fears of what God might be truly like. And then as if that wasn't enough, I mean, coming down from heaven where there's no devil, you know, causing mischief and, and everybody's on your team, no crime rate. I mean, everybody's worshiping God. To be dropped into planet Earth before there was toothpaste, refrigerators, trains or airplanes, central air or heat. As if coming from God's glory down to earth was not enough. He went even lower. He allowed himself to be tortured on a wooden cross to prove his love for us once and for all. You see, we can give without loving, but we can never love without giving. And on the cross, Jesus gave his all. All to him I owe. 
Now it came to pass, watch this, when the time had come. Jesus operated with a very acute sense of God's timing. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says there's a time and a season for everything under heaven and Jesus realized that before this time he was in heaven looking down, but now he's in earth. So he's paying attention to the seasons and the moments in time. But I think Yogi Berra said it almost as well. He said this, you don't have to swing hard to hit a home run. If you get the timing right, it'll go. Life is so much easier when you get your timing right. You don't have to swing as hard. You don't have to try as hard when it's the right time. Luke said, when the time had come for Jesus to be received up, how many know everybody wants to go up? But we forget in God's kingdom, going up means first going down. The greatest must first become the least. Remember, the ark didn't float until there was a flood. Abraham struggled for 25 years before having his promised child. Joseph was enslaved and in jail before the sun, moon, and the stars bowed down to him as the dream said it would. Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert tending sheep before God trusted him to deliver his people. David spent, some say four, some say seven, some say 15 years on the run from Saul before he became king. You see, everyone wants to be on top until they see what it takes to get there. Everyone wants to be a beast until it's time to do what only a beast can do. But in this moment, Christ's time had come and he didn't miss his moment. And we see from the text in a couple of moments, we're going to see he did not even flinch. When his time had come to be received up, it doesn't say that he set his face. It says he steadfastly set his face. Something was obviously going on with Jesus's face. And we will all have moments in our lives where we have to bite our lips. Moments in our lives we we have to square our shoulders. And we got to put our game face on. For the moment and season we're in. And he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, the place he encountered all the trouble, the tension between Jesus and the religious leaders had had really begun to reach a climax. It had simmered for literal Years and finally it was about to go down. Now I, I will walk a mile to avoid a fight, but when the devil starts one, I won't give him an inch. Because the devil is the ultimate opportunist. Give him an inch and he'll soon be your ruler. And Jesus 
sent messengers before his, this is word again, before his face. So he sent people ahead to make arrangements for his time of, of ministry. But, but in this case, you know, it's a little different than other times. He not only, the, the disciples didn't just go ahead to prepare for Jesus. From this text, they were actually preparing the Samaritans for Jesus' face. You see, God is all loving all the time, but there's also moments where he's all business at the same time. How do you react when God doesn't feel near and he doesn't seem nice? See, sometimes when you're doing big things, you just don't have time for small talk. And as they went... The disciples, probably two that he sent ahead, they entered a village of Samaritans, their ethnic enemies, if you will, to prepare for him. And what we see in this text is Jesus' ministry wasn't as simplistic as many of us try to make it. His operation or, or his ministry operated on a level of organization and discipline that, that Jesus absolutely required. Jesus didn't just go to cities. The disciples carefully prepared the cities before he came. And this, this, here's the question for you. What are cities? Would your neighborhood, your block, or your home be prepared if Jesus came tonight? Jesus always sends people ahead. Okay, let me back up. Behold, I sent a messenger before his face. Before Jesus came, someone had to come to make the street straight. To make the, 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 the mountains low and the valleys exalted. Jesus is not just some country preacher. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. And his disciples over time began to treat him as such. But watch 53. But the Samaritans did not receive him. Some people are not ready for a full dimensional Jesus. You see, they gladly accept the goodness of God. But they fall apart as soon as they see just a little bit of the severity of God. You see, God is both merciful and just. It's not a legitimate coin if it doesn't have faces on two sides. My Bible says he both loves and hates. You're not sure about that. The first service wasn't either. The Bible says God hates sin. And the reason many of us are stuck in it because we still like the mud. We still like the mire. It's not till we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Are we finally going to come out? The Bible says God both lifts up and he puts down. He blesses and he curses. You know, as the song that we just sung, I worship you for who you are. We must worship God for who he is, not just who we want him to be. 
but they did not receive him. And there are aspects of God that many people won't receive because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Meaning you could see on his face that Jesus was on assignment. You could see on his face he had a made-up mind. You could see on his face that he had larger issues that he was focused on and, and concerned about. And you can't do big things distracted by small things. And if you're going to do anything significant in life, you got to learn to first qualify your critics. I know it was hurtful that the Samaritans didn't receive him. But what's amazing here is we don't see Jesus falling apart, crying out to the Father and saying, Oh my God, how can you call me in the ministry? And they don't even like me. And, and God, they won't, they, won't, they won't receive me. But Jesus wasn't like me because I don't always qualify my critics. See, if you haven't been there and done that, I really don't, I love you. But what I know, this is not in the Bible, but if I could write one, this is what I put in the Bible. <laughs> he who listens to a fool becomes one. You got to learn to qualify your critics. So why was Jesus' face like this? Why is so much said about his face? Why did it impact the Samaritans? Let's dig deep, deeper. Let's go back to Isaiah 50 and verse 6. Isaiah wrote this 700 years before Christ was born. But it's so accurate, it's almost scary to read. And it says this. It's, it's basically the Holy Spirit put Isaiah in the mind of Jesus even before Jesus was on earth. I gave my back to those who struck me. Now you might have missed what was just stated there, but John chapter 10 and verse 18 says, no one takes my life, but I lay it down. I, notice it said, I gave my back. She said, Pilate, I know you think you got all this power and all that stuff, but let me tell you something. I could call a legion of angels. If this moment wasn't ordained by the Father, it would not be. I gave, I offered my back to those who struck me. It was like deity came to earth and said, devil, take your best shot. And he hung there and he took, I gave my back to those who struck me. And what you'll see about Jesus in the gospels, one time he was in his hometown and they wanted to throw him off a cliff and the Bible said he walked right through them. You see, no one could do anything to Jesus unless he let them. You got to understand the type of guy Jesus was. It was not the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you and his love for me that kept him there. Yes, yes. So I gave my back and my cheeks 
to those who plucked out the beard. A long beard was a mark of honor and distinction in that culture, and it still is today in the Middle East. One of the worst insults you could give a man in that period and that part of the world was to cut his beard. And you see that in 2 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 4. But Jesus allowed himself to be completely degraded, completely, completely humiliated. He gave his best, though humanity and mankind was giving him his worst. Despite what was done to him, Jesus stayed on point. No indignity and no cruelty could stop him from demonstrating the full extent of God's love for you and I. And sometimes God puts us in positions. That's why Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you too got to take up your cross. Because God will intentionally put you in positions where you get an opportunity to show the love of God to some sideways, backwards, hateful person. And you know, what's the point of having love if, if, if you can only love the lovely? Real love loves the unlovely. Yeah. And the unworthy. Love never fails. And then it continues in the first person. This is 700 years prior. I did not hide my face from shame. Meaning he didn't flinch. He didn't back up. He didn't whine. He didn't cry. He didn't snivel. I didn't hide my face from the shame he stared it down looked it in its eye and spitting in that part of the world they don't cute spit they grab stuff from deep down and let me tell you something if I was God and you spit on me it would be the last time But that's why we worship him. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, the Bible says. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on your image of this Jesus we worship. Jesus was at a dinner and this woman came in and started washing his feet with her hair and was crying and she had this... This uh, fragrance, this perfume around her neck that was super, super, super expensive. And uh, she cracked the alabaster box in the jar and, and, and poured it on Jesus' feet. And people were like, Judas in particular, was like, listen, all that money you worship, you, you're wasting on worship. <laughs> That's what some people say about this church. But, 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 but you see, when you understand who you're worshiping, Simon was watching and he was like, well, Jesus, if you know who that woman was and you know the type of life she was living, you wouldn't let her be touching your feet like that and certainly not rubbing her hair on your feet. This is improper. This don't look good, Jesus. What type of man are you, Jesus, by the way? You know, what's going on? 
So Jesus looked the Pharisee Simon in the eye and he said this. He who is forgiven much loves much. And that's why some in this room, some live stream, you don't get the worship. But you ain't been maybe where I've been. Maybe you don't realize the extent of your sin. You see, the worst sin really wasn't even that woman's sin who some say she was a prostitute. It's really that Pharisee sin. Self-righteousness is the most stinky, smelly sin. There is. But the reason sometimes I cry, the reason sometimes I shout, I bow down, I'm on my face. So I know how good God has been to me despite me and if I can just love him a fraction of how much I know I hurt him in this life, my living won't be in vain. You hear what I'm saying? And my worship is out of gratitude for him washing me and cleansing me and taking time to talk to me and teach me and to guide me and hug me and hold me, place his spirit on me. And if that's not been your experience, you won't get it. But those of us who come from nowhere, we were nothing but God made us something. We can't help but praise him and honor him and thank him, Lord. What it God, I'll give you the clothes off my back, Lord. All the money out my pocket, God. All the tears in my ducks, God. What is it you might want, Lord? I owe you everything, God. And, and I, 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 I don't, a thousand tongues, God, couldn't begin to praise you first seven yeah then he said again he's in the mind of Jesus Isaiah for the Lord God will help me this is what Jesus was thinking while he was facing unspeakable horror for the Lord God will help me you see God doesn't always stop it but he will always get you through it when mother and father can't help you sister brother can't help friends can't help you your degrees the study the amount of money in your bank account can't help you your friends can't help the Lord God will help me and there's some miles on your journey you gotta walk alone and Jesus carried that cross. Some say he stumbled under the weight of it, and that's why uh, uh, the, the other man, Simon, he, he grabbed the, the, the cross from him. And sometimes you will stumble under the weight of your assignment. And all that does is show us Jesus was not only God, he was human. He knows what it's like to feel the weight of a thing and, and have to deal with stuff that's uncomfortable and, and painful. He said, for the Lord God, not the Roman emperor, not Pilate, the high priest, not his disciples, none of his friends, the Lord God will help me. Watch this. Therefore, what do we learn when there's a therefore in the scripture? Look and see, pause, right? And see what's what? Therefore. 
Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Why is there therefore? Because the fact that God was with him caused the outcome that's announced in this next sentence. The Lord will help me. And because of this, this is what he was thinking while he was matted with blood. I will not be disgraced, meaning trouble won't last always. You see, because Jesus knew where his help came from, he knew how things would end up. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you can't think about the middle. You got to think about the end. That's why the Bible said he endured the cross for the joy that was set before. He saw the other side. And when you, you lose the image and the vision of the other side of the thing, that's when we give up. That's when we quit. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. You see, when God is your help, you keep going when everybody else stops. Why? Because you know God's the Alpha and the Omega. He will finish everything he starts. And if it's not good, that just means God's not done. And whenever you find yourself in the middle, there's only one direction to go with God, and that's forward. You've been listening to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. We pray that God's Word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org salvation. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at gracechurchva.tv. While you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.